Today, we're going to be continuing that foundation message series. And it's a series or a, a message today that I feel that is, uh, again, not that one portion of this series is greater than the other, but I feel that this is a very, very important part of the message series and a part of the Christian walk. And we're talking about the mission to make disciples, the mission that Jesus gave us to make disciples. And so we've been given that mission and we've been given that mission by God and we are fueled to do that. We are fueled to fulfill that mission because of our love for him and our love for one another. Jesus has, loves me. Despite my failures, despite all my stuff, I know that Jesus loves me. And because he loves me, I love the rest of the family. I love the rest of you guys. I love you all. So I am fueled by that to continue in this mission. And when we talk about mission, we have to talk about the mission of the church. So what is the mission of our church? You guys hear this all the time. You've heard this over and over. You see this. And we're going to continue to say it. We're going to continue to say this because this is the, the kind of the roots. This is the foundation of who we are. The mission of Northwood Church, the reason we exist, is to build Christ-centered communities that help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That is the mission of Northwood Church. Last week, we talked a, about, a lot about the know and the grow side of things. We talked about knowing God and growing and kind of through the different stages of, of life and going through the different stages of Christianity. Not that there are stepping blocks, not that one is greater than the other, but just where you might be in your knowledge and your faith and your and who you are in Christ and how far you may have come in, in knowing and growing. And today we want to encourage you guys as well as kind of charge you a little bit. Um, I want to encourage you and leave, leave you feeling kind of pumped up a little bit, but I also want to, you to feel charged that here, this is something that we need to do. There is something, kind of that, that locker room kind of feel that Pastor Mike, that locker room, we're, this, is, this is time to, hey, let's go. Let's go team, go, you know, Northwood on three, whatever it is um, that you do, but this this charge that I want to leave you guys with today because we want to talk about this side of going. We'll talk about sharing the gospel, about telling other people about Jesus Christ. And we want to talk about that, and we do this very well with the things that we are excited about. I said this morning in an earlier service, like, you know, how many of you have taken, went over to the, the new coffee place, and you get that coffee, and you take out of coffee, and like, got my coast roast, or got my finch coffee, or whatever coffee you know, that you feel works for you the best, that gives you whatever you need. But you're happy to post that. And if a new one comes in town and you try it, and you're like, wow, that one's really amazing, you're going to tell everybody about it, right? You're going to go into the office and you're going to set that down. And somebody's going to go, well, what's that cup you got there? Let me tell you about this coffee, y'all. And you're going to get into it. I, I told my wife was in the first service, and she... Um, she recently got a pair of pants, and there's an artist that we met at, a, at an art festival, and she, we had her do a painting for us, and it has become a central piece in our living room. Um, very Christian um, artist. Uh, they actually, the title of the painting is called Fruits of the Spirit, and it was very special to us, and my wife loves this. She is absolutely, follows her on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Recently, she started painting jeans. I didn't know that was a thing, y'all. I didn't know, like, I'm a contractor by trade. I got painted jeans. I got some painted <laughs> jeans. 
And they were a lot cheaper than what she bought these jeans for. So later on, if you guys want some painted jeans, see me after church, and uh, we'll hook you up. No, but she, she saw these jeans that she was now doing, and my wife bought them. And I looked at my, my wife's very funny about things like jewelry, jewelry, and jewelry. She loves those things. But she put these pants on, and she smiled. And so then she gets on social media, and she had my mother-in-law take a picture of her. And she's talking about these. She's like, y'all need to go look at Jenny Bullard art. She is amazing. Wow, I am so thrilled. She does, and just went on this little rant about these jeans. Why? Why did she go on a rant about the jeans? Because it made her happy. It's something about the jeans that made her happy. It made her feel good. It made her feel special. It made her feel pretty. It made her feel whatever other emotions you women feel when you put on something that you really like. Because I don't go through those feelings when I put my pants on in the morning. It just doesn't happen. But all those feelings she wanted to share because it makes her feel that way and there's something about it. But it was also something that's important to her. It's important to her that about these, these things. And that's kind of the thing when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a lot of great things that we can say about it. We can have a lot of different experiences, a lot of things that God has done in our life, and a lot of things that God's done, amazing and powerful things in our life, but are you willing to take your phone out and take a selfie with your Bible or whatever and say, hey, God's done some amazing things in my life? Are we really willing to do that? And that's kind of where we come to a little, and we kind of pause. And so today I want to encourage you, you happy, that gives you joy, that thing that has radically changed your life, that thing has really done amazing things that you can share other people or share that with other people. Because if we know God and we're growing in Christ, really and ultimately we can't help but to go and tell people about him. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that believers, we've accepted Jesus Christ, that we are filled with the Spirit of God and we receive power from him to go to those around us and be witnesses of the good news. Now, we've accepted him that there's power that's come. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. He's not here. Jesus is, has risen, and we are to be his witnesses now. And he says, you will receive power to do so. So when we do that, when we are uh, sharing the gospel, we are sharing with other people. We are talking to other people. We're not doing that in our own strength. I promise you, when you had found me when I was a, a young teenager, you wouldn't find me sitting up here in front of you. I was the shyest person you've ever met. I did not like to talk to people. I didn't have any friends. That was nothing. I would not do this. This isn't something that just, oh, I think that's what I'll do. I think I'll enjoy doing that. No, this is actually probably one of the greatest fears that most people have in life, public speaking. Um, it doesn't bother me anymore because there is power. There has been something that's been gifted into me. So I get to do what I do, not in my own strength, but in the boldness that he gives me, the strength that he gives me, the, thing, the encouragement that he gives me to share this word. And it's the same for you as you share with other people, as you share in your workplace, you share with your family, your friends. The boldness that you have comes from the power of the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you. And we get to take that gospel, we get to take that into the world, and we get to take that into 
areas with our families, again, our friends. We get to take that into our communities. We get to take that maybe even to our enemies, those who may just spitefully use us. We get a chance to share the gospel with them too. We get that opportunity. And in Christianity, this, this act of going, this act of doing something is called evangelism. It's called evangelism. It's a word that you may hear in different ways. You might hear it translated into in different ways, in different forms, or different from the root word. But evangelism itself simply means to preach the gospel. Simply means to preach the gospel. It means that we are to proclaim something, which proclaim means to declare something one considers important with due emphasis. Bring out the good news, something that is important. And there are many examples of that when we read through scriptures. There's many examples where he tells us to preach or to proclaim. First one we will look at today is Mark 16 and 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Go into all the world and proclaim. Acts 8 and 4, we've gone further into the Gospels, past the Gospels, past Pentecost, Acts 8 and 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. We now move further along and we're into Paul's writings, Colossians 1 and 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Again, in 1 Corinthians 1, 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. There's scriptures after scriptures after scriptures that continue to tell us to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim to everyone, to preach Christ crucified. These are scriptures that continue to tell us, and there's, we can't deny that the scriptures tell us and encourage us and tell us to go and do, right? We can't deny what it says, so this is something as a believer that you are mandated to do. And again, this message isn't meant to be a condemning message or to, hey, you're not doing such or you're not, that's not what this is about. This is an encouragement. But I want to encourage you that the Bible has mandated us and has told us and had given us instructions and has continued to tell us over and over and over to preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news, to tell other people about Jesus over and over and over. And in this message series, we've talked about our belief in the word of God. And we've talked about how it has priority in our lives and the centrality to the words of Christ and the words of the Bible that are central to our lives, that its commands, its blessings, its promises, and that this word tells us to do this. It tells us to do it, so therefore we must do. So when we talk about this, you know, this whole idea of evangelism and what it is, the question is, why do we need to evangelize? That's, that's a question we have to look, we, we look at when we're talking about it. Okay, it tells us to do it. We can't deny that it tells us very clearly to preach and to proclaim the gospel. But why do we need to do this? Why do we need to evangelize? And it's simply put, in some ways, if everything that we've been talking about the past 12 weeks now, if everything that we've talked about is true, then we must mission of sin about justification, about salvation, about the truth of the word. We've talked so much about all these different things. If all of this is true, then we must go and tell people about it. 
We must go. We've used this scripture here in 2 Corinthians 5. We've talked this scripture so many times. So many times we've talked about this scripture, and it's amazing scripture, and I love what it says in verse 18 and 19. All this is from God. All this being the gospel, this gift from God. All this is from God, from who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Reconciled simply means to restored relationship, restored relations. And when we talked about this back in uh, week two, we talked about the condition of sin. We talked about that. We were all born into sin. We're all born into a condition of sin. We all have a natural tendency and a natural lean to sin, to do things wrong, to be to do things that we aren't supposed to do, things that are contrary to the word of God. We were born into that sin nature. We were born into that place, and we were, in being born into sin, we were separate from God. We were separated to God. If you are living in sin, and, and that separates us from a, a relationship with God, and we need to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We talked about that earlier, and a beautiful day to have communion talking about that. A beautiful day to talk about the reconciliation that we have now because of Jesus' death on the cross, that his shed blood provides that place where we can have forgiveness for sins and we can have right relationship with him. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, we go on in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ God is making his appeal through us, and we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. We have the honor, the absolute honor to be ambassadors for Christ. It's a great challenge. It's a great honor. It's a great uh, weight in some way, shape, or form that we have the, the honor to go out and to represent the kingdom of God. We, have a, we can represent Jesus Christ here on earth. That we get the opportunity to make his appeal. He says here, God is making his appeal, his appeal to have others reconciled to Christ. He is making that appeal through us, through you. You have that opportunity as ambassadors of Christ to make that appeal, to charge be reconciled to God. Restore that relationship to God. See, we are ambassadors for Christ and we are called to represent him to the world and we are entrusted with sharing the gospel with others. We are entrusted with that. God has, has restored me to right relationship. He has forgiven me of my sins. He's radically changed my life and now I've been entrusted with sharing this gospel with other people. Again, not to be weighty, but I want to encourage you. You've been entrusted with that. You've been entrusted with that ability, and you've been called to do so because of a certain place or a certain spot, because here's the next part. Who is supposed to evangelize? That's simple. All of us. All of us. There's nothing in that scripture that says, 
Only pastors implore you on behalf of, it doesn't say this person here or only those who are called this or only those who are called that. It says God is making his appeal through us, that he is entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That's all of us. That's all of us. Every single one in this room, that is who he is entrusting us to. He has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation to share with everyone around us. And when it comes down to it, I'm not the church. Yeah, I get the opportunity to be a teaching pastor here at Northwood. You know, there are other people that, you know, Pastor Jordan, our senior pastor, he's not the church. And you specifically and solely on your own, you are not the church. We collectively are the church. We collectively are the church. You know, I get an opportunity to share. Pastor Micah gets the the opportunity to be the shepherd of this local body. There are a lot of other people that play certain roles in our church. There are a lot of people that have certain callings or certain gifts in this specific local church. But at the end of the day, we collectively are the church. We have the opportunity to share this gospel to other people. You have opportunities that I will never have. I get to do it in this particular place. I get to do it in this particular setting or this particular environment here and there. Other people get that opportunity, but you get opportunities to do things in probably much greater ways than I would ever get. There are places that you will have that I would never be able to reach. We all have that opportunity, and we all have been entrusted to do so. The next question would be simple. How do we evangelize? As I said before, some people think that you have to do it from this particular pulpit or some sort of ministry. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of shut down because they think this is the place that evangelism takes place or this is the area where it happens. And, you know, as I said before, public speaking is not the thing. Everybody's scared of public speaking. Uh, The only isolated expression of where evangelism should take place. This is not the only place that it would happen because the truth is you get a chance to evangelize every single day day of your life. You get the chance and you have the opportunity to evangelize every single day of your life. The first way you can do that is through your story. You can evangelize through your story or through your testimony, however way you want to look at that. And some of you feel like that you don't have or enough or know enough to evangelize when they think about that kind of old sense of the word or or whatever that might be, and I can't evangelize because I don't know enough or I'm not theologically or philosophically sound enough or I haven't memorized enough scripture, so I can't evangelize. But your story is what God has done in you and in your life, and what your story is what God's done through for you, and that is a big deal. That's a big deal. What God's done in your life is huge, whether it's you've got some crazy story of radical deliverance or whether you just say, I've been a good person. You still have the story that you could not save yourself. You could not deliver yourself from sin. You still have the story that God has reconciled you into right relationship with him and I will see him one day in heaven. You still have that story and that story is a big deal. We look at something, this story, and we look at Mark chapter five. A little backstory here. This is Jesus is coming along, and they're going into an area of the tombs. And there's this gentleman that has been kind of exiled to the tombs. He lives amongst the tombs, that he is possessed by demons. He stays outside of the town, and he is just a wild, crazy man. 
The Bible says that he had been wrapped in chains and would be so wild that he would just break the chains. And this gentleman in the tombs is, is wandering around and he sees Jesus and he comes and he falls to Jesus and Jesus says, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Referring to the demons, they're living inside this man. And they implore Jesus, they say, hey, don't cast us out into the countryside. So Jesus casts the demons out into the pigs. The Bible says about 2,000 pigs. The pigs run off the cliff, go off into the sea and are drowned. Wild story to share with you in a real, real snippet, right? That's a real tough one. Just to give you some backstory. But all this is happening with this crazy man, and all of a sudden, the shepherds of the pigs, or the, whatever they call those people who watch pigs, I don't know what you do with watching pigs. But they go out back into the town and say, listen, my 2,000 pigs are gone. They ran off the cliff, and they're dead. The people of the town basically come in, and they see this man. They see that he is in his right mind, that he is clothed, that he's been delivered, and that the pigs are gone. And they say, Jesus, you got to go. you got to get out of here. We, we, we're scared, we're fearful, we don't know what's going on. You got to go. And this is where we kind of pick up this story. And he, referring to Jesus, was getting into the boat. Met him, But he said to him, go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and, he mar- and everyone marveled. This is the, the story that this, this man has, this story that he has. And Jesus didn't say to the man, hey, I want you to go back to the temple and I want you to sit and learn and find out everything that you can learn and then go to seminary after that. And then I want you to possibly go out and just, you know, Jesus didn't tell him to do that. Jesus didn't tell him to go find this or find that, or get this, or get that. Jesus tells him, he says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This gentleman goes out, and the Bible says that everyone marveled. He goes into Decapolis, which is 10 Greek cities that were kind of real big major cities along that area. He says, I'm going into all these cities, and I'm just going to tell people about what God has done for me and how he had mercy upon me and everyone marveled. So you have your story and your story builds faith in God's ability to restore and to redeem. Your story, the story you have, whatever it might be, no matter how far or how much or whatever, the story that you have helps people build their faith in God and to to what God can do for them. It helps build their faith so your story has that ability to help people and to guide people in that. And other people are going to find healing through your wounds. And that's tough. Because for them to find that, they, you have to be somewhat open to share it. And sharing that wound or sharing that hurt is sometimes hard because it almost seems to reopen that wound or reopen that hurt. But at the same time, I want to encourage you that it's not about the wound. It's about what God has done. It's about what God has done to deliver you, to free you, to heal you, to bring you into right relationship, whatever the case might be. It's not about the wound. It's about what God has done through you and through that wound and through that hurt. That's what it's about. I want to encourage you in that regards. So your experience with God is unique and it's powerful. 
know been good, and God's, I asked God to come into my heart, and he did. That might be it, and that is okay because that's a miracle in and of itself. Whatever your story is, it's unique and it's powerful, and you don't need to be ashamed of where you are or what you've done, but use what the enemy meant for evil for the glory of God. Use that for the glory of God, no matter what it may be. Some people in this room, you may have gone through cancer or some major sickness, and it's, it was tough, it was hard, those things that you dealt with, and God miraculously healed you, or maybe God has healed you through, through doctors and through medicine. And there are other people that need to hear that story of hope and of faith and continued trust that God was with me through it all. Maybe there are people that have in here that your God has done a radical work in your marriage. Divorce is going crazy. Divorce is just as much in the church as it is outside the church. Maybe you, people need to know that God has healed your marriage, that God has done amazing things through marriage. God has changed the way that you connect with your spouse and that God can do the same thing for you. Maybe that people need to know that they've lost a loved one and they're grieving and you can say, hey, God is with you. I know it's tough, but God is with you. The stories that you have in your life will help others because your most effective ministry sometimes will come out of your deepest hurts. Your most effective ministry sometimes will come out of the deepest hurts of your life. And I can tell you story after story in my own life of some of the hurts and some of the pains that I've dealt with and the opportunities that I've got to share that with people. Times of, you know, just financial brokenness. Times of, of you know, broken relationships. I remember as a child, I, had a, I have a, a condition that I still have, and the way they were trying to deal with it then, it was kind of dealt with my heart. And I remember as, as a young teenager being able to have compassion with the older gentleman that had a heart attack. And I remember that we could have a conversation, and that we could, we could, I could talk to him, and he could talk to me. And we could have, we built each other's faith up because of the hurts and some of the things that we dealt with. And we dealt with that thing, and that is, again, some of your most effective ministry will come from those times. Number one, you have your story. Number two, you get to evangelize with the truth. So your understanding of God is just as important as your experience of, with God. The understanding of God and who he is, the understanding about him is just as important as the experience and the story that you have. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. See, your story is, is great. Your story is, is something that each of you have. It's a, what I would say is a tool in the toolbox. And you get to use that story to help people for the rest of your life. That's a story that you have, the story that only you have. It's unique, it's powerful, it's, it's yours. But we also have to come to the place where we are able to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. So when that question gets asked, that we are able to help people. And to 15, just a few verses prior, says it this way, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And I'll pause right there. 
That's what we're talking about when we're talking about growing in the truth and in sharing through the truth, that we are able to be prepared to make a defense to anyone ask a reason. Why do you believe in this? You have your story. You have that story, but why do you, why do you believe? How do you know? How, what is it that makes you? There's all these things that the Bible teaches us about who he is, his faithfulness to us, his love for us, his care for us, his ability to be with us through thick and thin, through rough times, all these things. These are the scriptures that we hold on to, the scriptures that we, that we kind of remind ourselves when we're going through a tough time. That's the truth of God's word. So being prepared to be able to answer those questions, being prepared to share that, being prepared to tell others about the truth of God is how we evangelize. This is a part sometimes we struggle with, but it's a part I want you to be encouraged with today. Be encouraged to know more about that so you can continue to help more people and help share with other people when they're going through those times. But do it this way, as he says at the end of verse 15, do it with gentleness and respect. I heard somebody moan. <laughs> do it with gentleness and respect. That leads us into point three. How do we evangelize? You evangelize by the way you live. By the way you live. We talk about this gentleness and respect. What other people are seeing in you, what other people are seeing you do, and how you are conducting your life. I was my first job as a teenager outside of working in the fields, slaving. <laughs> I grew up on a farm in North Carolina. I mean, summer times were part of grandfather knocking on the window and saying, get up, boy, and let's go. Let's go. I mean, it was, we didn't have cell phones, so we just bang on the window, wake me up and go pick potatoes and feed the cattle, whatever it was, pick tobacco, all those good things, fun times. Learned a lot. But my first actual paying job <laughs> was at Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what Piggly Wiggly is, it's a grocery store, like Winn-Dixie. It, it was the neighborhood market before neighborhood market was there. It was, and I remember and doing what I was doing as, you know, stock boy kind of thing. And I remember stocking shelves, and I would, you know, when you stock them and you, and you, you kind of face the shelves out, basically you're supposed to bring what's at the back to the front and make the shelves look good, make them look pretty, so make them look full. And a lot of people I would watch, they would just go and they would just stack one can at the front or one box at the front. But if you were to, somebody were to take that box, it was empty behind it. It didn't make any sense to me. So I'd always would stock my shelves and I'd take probably a little more time, but I would I'd bring a few cans up. And I was always wanting to do a little extra because it was just what was inside me. And when I would bag my groceries for the customers, I'm just a 16-year-old goofy-looking fella, that I would bag everything, and I would say, you know what, I'm going to put all the produce in one thing. Because in my mind, I remember taking all those bags out of my mom's car, and I'm like, I want them all together. So I put all the produce together. I put the cold stuff together. You know, back then, you used to put your ice cream in a paper bag, and then you put it. So I would put the ice cream in the paper bag. I, would, I just did it that way because it just what made sense to me and what I thought was the right way to do it. And I would always talk to my customers and, and have a smile on my face. And in that kind of stores, most of the time you have regulars. You have the same people who come in every so often, do their thing. And I remember this one lady, 
you know, because back then you could take your groceries out. They don't do that anymore unless they're just bringing you all your groceries that they picked out for you. But then I would take their groceries to the car. And she stopped me coming outside of the doors. And she stopped me and she turned around and she said, are you a Christian? And we didn't have much more conversation. I don't remember much, much more of that conversation. But I, rem- I, I told her to her and I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And it was the first time in my life that I, remember, that I can recall that someone recognized the way I lived, the way I did things, maybe helping her get something off the top shelf you know, when she was walking down the aisle. Maybe it was just my smile. Maybe it was because I bagged her groceries properly. I don't know what it was, but there was something about the way I lived that she knew that I loved Jesus. She knew that I had a relationship with Jesus. She knew that there was something different in my life that I knew Jesus. And that's what we all have. While this is kind of the last point and kind of wrapping this thing up, it's probably the most foundational thing because if you don't have this, if your life isn't living like you know Jesus, if you're telling somebody the truth of Jesus, but your life doesn't represent that, doesn't show that, but you're living like the devil, are you sure that he really changed your life? Or did he change your life for a moment and then you just forgot about him and threw him in the back shelf? The way we live our lives is the way that we can evangelize. People will know them just by the way, you know, the way we act, the way we respond, the way we talk, the way we say, the way we communicate. People will know that you love Jesus. And it needs to line up with the things that we tell them with about the truth and about our story. 1 Peter 2 and 11 and 12 says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on that day of visitation. See, every day you are behind the pulpit of your life. Every day you get to stand behind the pulpit of your life and express to people what God has done in your life the goodness of God, the wonderful things that he's done in your life, the, the salvation that he's brought, the healing, the deliverance, the freedom. You get to preach that to people by the way you live in the circles around you, your family, your friends, your enemies, your coworkers, maybe just that person that's in the grocery store. You get that opportunity to share Jesus Christ with them. Lastly, How long do we do this, Scott? How long do we evangelize? Well, that's the simple part. Until Jesus returns. Until Jesus returns. Would you stand with me? We've been given this this mission and this mandate to do so. And we've been given to do so until Jesus returns. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20 says, And behold, I am with you always even until the end of the age. God is with you all the way up until the very end of the age. God is with you. He's there for you. And until Jesus returns, we've been mandated to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. About the good news of Jesus Christ. About the amazing things that he's done with it. You get a chance to tell your story. You get a chance to share the truth. You get a chance to live a life 
that expresses that God has done something wonderful for you. A while back, we, we had away in your, these cards. It's the My Three. You guys may still have that tucked away in your Bible or pinned on a, a bulletin board somewhere. We still have some in the Next Steps table back there in the very back. What I want to encourage you guys today is, is simple. I told you this was an encouragement. This was in charge. I would encourage you that you have the gift, the ability, you have God with you to evangelize. Not just this pulpit area, not just on this day or that day. You have the gift, the ability, and you've been mandated to do so, to, sh to share what God has, do has done and is doing in you and your family and your family's lives. And you have that ability to do so, but I also wanna encourage you to find maybe three people that God is laid on your heart. The back of this card says, pray for them. I want you to pray for them. I wanna encourage you just to pray for them. Say, God, just I want you to bless them. God, I want you to touch them. I want you to show, to show yourself to them. But step two, pray and connect with them. I want you to pray that God would use you. Maybe to share your story. Maybe to have a conversation. Maybe there's been a conversation that you guys have been wanting to have and you just really hadn't got to that conversation yet. But pray and connect with them. Number three, pray and invite them. This place here, this is a place for a family to come together. We're family. It's the place that we get to come together and we get to walk this journey together. We get to worship together. We get to lift up the name of Jesus together. We get to encourage one another. We get to hear the word preached that we can encourage ourselves and uplift ourselves and strengthen each other. So pray and invite them. That's what I wanna encourage you to do this week. I want you to find that place. We would, I know that two services is tough, but I'm sure that Pastor Micah will not be too upset and I don't think anybody will be too upset if we've got these seams of this church are busting because you invited somebody. I promise you, he won't be mad at you. He'll be tired, but he won't be too mad. I wanna encourage you guys to do that. I wanna encourage you guys to live a life that shows others that Jesus has, what Jesus has done in your life, amen?